Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. Today, I'm here with Yvette Young. Hey. <laughs> so, you're born in San Jose? Yes, I'm born and raised in San Jose. Yeah. yeah. Are your parents from there as well? Um, my parents are from Beijing, China. Oh, what made them move out to San Jose? A better life, I yeah. guess. <laughs> the American dream. <laughs> what careers were they in or are they in now? So my parents uh, were, well my mom was a dancer oh, wow. uh, and then my dad was like an accordion player and a composer and now my mom does accounting um, and medical billing and my dad still composes and freelances and he sells piano, he worked for Steinway and Yamaha at different points of his life, does music I guess. That's crazy, I feel like I've barely met like Asian parents who are like creative and doing that. Oh yeah, at first. At first, it was like, kind of like I was met with opposition, but I think now, like they understand a little more. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. even for them, like, was your mom like dancing in like Beijing, and then? Um, so during the they grew up during the Cultural Revolution, so mm -hmm. she did a lot of traveling through the countryside, and she would like dance. Mm -hmm. I should probably know more about this, but <laughs> um, yeah, she used to do that, and then I guess um, she. Uh, it was like her passion for a while, but I think when she moved to America, like she just got a job and like she's good with numbers. She studied accounting. Um, she went to school here for that, so mm -hmm. I think it's like helped her get settled because yeah. she kind of came here as an immigrant with not a lot of money. So, oh, your parents met here? Um, no, my parents met in China, but they were separated for like ten years. Oh, and then, um, my mom moved here, and then she married my dad and. Green cards were acquired and mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, crazy. And was it your parents who put you into like piano classes initially? Oh yeah, like piano, violin, orchestra. Um, definitely got the foundation set when I was really young. I did piano when I was four um, and violin when I was seven. Mm -hmm. When did you start competing for piano? Really young as well. I think, I don't remember. I think I started my first competition when I was nine. It's just a lot of pressure, but yeah. Um, when I was nine, and I did it up till when I was eighteen. And how often? Like how often were they? Every couple of months. Oh, I'd have wow. to learn like a lot of concertos and pieces and stuff. So to prepare for it, I'd have to practice a lot and like learn the song and then um, compete. And so I'd have yeah. to have enough time in between to learn a whole new piece. Yeah. <laughs> and you did really well, like back then with piano like competitions. Yeah, I guess you know I had. I think I had potential, like. I won a couple, which is cool, but for me, just competition life wasn't really um, appealing, I yeah. suppose. I did some <laughs> back then, too. Yeah, it's weird. They like, they, like, judge you based on, like, how you dress sometimes, too. Like, yeah. It's strange. I saw, I saw a guy with a tuxedo, and he just looks so formal and, like, looks Dude, spot on. People, like, in the, we'd all, like, get ready in the same room for, like, auditions, and people would, like, be adjusting their hair and stuff. I'm like... Is this a beauty pageant or is this a music <laughs> audition? Because if so, I look like shit. And so on. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting how sometimes things that don't relate to music get like equated into the overall judgment process. Mm -hmm. How do you describe yourself back then growing up? Eccentric, I suppose. <laughs> uh, 
tomboyish, gruff. I was kind of like a, a tomboy, like bully type when I was little. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Like I, I was I was really into sports. No, I was just I gonna like, ask if you were. Yeah, I really child. wanted to be a basketball player at one point. Oh. But I'm, you know, I'm five foot four. That ain't gonna happen. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess. Uh, oh, I was energetic and I was kind of like just weird. I guess weird kid. <laughs> did you like school? I really did. I, I actually really enjoyed school. I think I enjoyed it because um, it was a nice contrast to my family life, mm. and it was like an exposure to culture that I wasn't growing like I wasn't a part of because my family's like super Asian, but I went to like a pretty Caucasian school. So for me, it was exciting, like learning about all these other people's families and what their lives were like. Um, and I, I did well academically. I was a pretty, pretty academically inclined as a kid. So it wasn't even your parents pushing you, you kind of just wanted, you were like a high achiever. Well, they pushed me. I think at a certain point you kind of internalize that mm. and um, whatever expectations your parents have, like it kind of becomes your, your own as well. So. I was kind of per perfectionist. Um, my teachers all liked me, I think, question mark. Um, yeah, I had a good relationship with all my um, teachers and, I guess, mm -hmm. general school staff. Yeah. So I liked it. What were your favorite subjects back then? I've always been attracted to, like, biology, just any kind of science, like anatomy and physiology, stuff like that. I wanted to be... Um, a forensic scientist at one point, oh, wow. or a marine biologist. I just mm -hmm. really am fascinated with, like, how bodies work. And, like, I think bodies are really interesting. Um, you know, when you get sick, there's, like, a process that happens to, like, combat pathogens that, like, enter your system, and it's just, like, interesting to me. So, um, and I wanted to be a forensic scientist because I also had, like, a morbid curiosity and I always like watched murder like FBI files or what is it called FBI there's a show on Discovery Channel FBI the crime no no <laughs> uh, I just I'm butchering the title um but yeah like those murder mystery shows I really liked when I was growing up so I was like I want to be the person to figure out why this person was murdered and who did it I want to be the bringer of justice like <laughs> so yeah yeah so I guess in school I like the science Mm -hmm. Oh, I also really enjoyed writing, like, composition. Oh. Um, I'd say that that's a subject that I was good at. And didn't your, like, dad's co-worker, like, show him a video and it turned out to be you? Like, his son was watching your videos. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. You know, like, I don't really talk to my parents about what I do that mm -hmm. much. Like, they'll, they know a very um, superficial level of, like, what I'm doing and stuff. I don't really go in-depth about tour or anything um, and I guess my parents didn't really know what I was making and they didn't know like how I'm trying to like word this they, d they thought that like maybe I was just messing around in a band mm. and like just like wasting time or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was cool because my dad's coworker was like oh like my son my, my friend's son really likes this guitarist um, and then he showed my dad, and it was, it was me. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and then he was like, um, oh, that's your daughter? Like, can we come over for dinner? And can we talk to your daughter? So I think that changed his perspective quite a bit. Like, oh. He's all, all of a sudden became, like, more curious and Whoa. interested. So. When did you start, like, self-medicating 
through music? So I got really sick in, in middle school, at the end of middle school and through high school. Um, I had an eating disorder, mm -hmm. and I think it was from just being thrust into a high-pressure, uh, competitive environment. Oh. Um, music, academics, I was just an intense perfectionist, and I think people had expectations of me that were like, kind of high, and it was just a lot to kind of keep up with all the time. Mm -hmm. So it kind of made me like depressed, and I turned to an eating disorder to, to kind of, as an outlet for all the, that negativity. Um, as a way to control my surroundings through food and exercise. Um, so when I went to the hospital for that, I was like, you know, bored all the time and I needed an outlet, so I drew, but then I also had a guitar and I started playing, um, just trying to learn songs. Mm -hmm. Like, I learned, my first guitar song I learned was uh, Six Feet From The Edge by Creed. Oh. <laughs> I was like, that intro is really sick. <laughs> <laughs> but um, learned some Radiohead and uh, yeah, like taught myself by ear and then I started writing stuff on my own and then I realized that it was a really good way to build self-esteem for me because it's like, you know, an eating disorder is something that is very superficial, not superficial like like as a disease, but I mean like superficial, like you are focused on your, exter your, your, your exterior and you hyperfixate on like your body. Mm -hmm. So um, for me, I thought like guitar and art and stuff was really cool because it's something that you can do with your hands and you can feel like like powerful through creating things. Mm -hmm. And it became medicine for me to just like constantly be productive and put things out. Um, and it took the focus off of my outside self and more more to my inside self, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Were your parents understanding of your eating disorder? Yeah, I think at the time they you know as immigrants they didn't really understand yeah and they were terrified <laughs> Instagram um, they were <laughs> terrified because you know they grew up in poverty so they're like you don't want to eat like you're, yeah, you're in America and you like, want to eat like what's yeah. wrong with you you spoiled brat like you know and I get it I get it. it must be really scary and I think you know with family counseling and therapy and stuff I was able to get through that and I think they um, emerged with a new understanding of mental illnesses and like eating disorders and like why someone would be driven to do that. Um, I think it ultimately was a healing experience for us all. Like it's something bad that happened, but I think it made my life, it made all of our lives a lot better. Mm -hmm. It was expensive. <laughs> Hospitals are expensive, but yeah, I don't know. Your life is priceless. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you went to UCLA to study fine arts and education. Yeah. Um, I studied fine arts and visual performing arts education. It was nice. I was there for three years. No, two and a half years. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just basically loaded myself with classes. And I wanted to graduate early to save money. And I also just wanted to go work. Yeah. I was like, school is whack. I'm just kidding. <laughs> School's not whack. Stay in school, kids. <laughs> but your parents must have been supportive to let you do like fine arts, right? Mm, I was met with retaliation. We kind of compromised, like, we went around to check out art schools, but I kind of, like, you know, they were, they were more comfortable with me doing a GE with um, art major, because if I, they were scared that if I went to, like, an actual, like, art, art school, oh, um, yeah. I would just turn into, like, a an artist, God forbid. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, like, you know, I got the general education, I'm well-rounded, but I still decided to focus on um, teaching and 
arts in general, so mm -hmm. fine arts in general. Do you, looking back, do you think it helped you a lot? Yeah, I think um, <laughs> I think it was good to expose me to different people because I grew up kind of sheltered. Mm. Um, and I think it taught me how to kind of stick up for myself and defend myself because, you know, when you create work in an academic environment, um, an, an art academic environment, you have to talk about it and you have to like justify your creative decision making to other people because there's critiques and stuff so I think it taught me to be a little more outspoken and it taught me to like have more ownership over my decisions. So yeah, I think that was a good experience but I think I learned the most when I left college and I just did real world yeah. shit. So. <laughs> yeah, the college is cool. Yeah, And then were you already doing like graphic design illustration stuff? Yeah, I actually got my start on uh, MySpace Oh. I used to hit up bands and I'd be like, do you need a banner, do you need album art? And then I kind of did like, I had my little MySpace network of bands that needed art, so I would just like work with them and then they'd tell their friends and my art would be spread around. So um, yeah, that's how I got my start and mm -hmm. then I decided that I really loved doing it. Even from a young age, I would just like draw and sketch all the time. Nowadays I'm still doing it, like for music, I do music full-time but I also supplement that income with uh, painting I, like paint guitars for people and mm -hmm. I paint commissions I had a brief stint as a tattoo artist oh wow! <laughs> yeah cool. yeah after you graduated college did you first do like teaching or like what was your first job after grad did a lot of teaching did teaching I even taught at UCLA briefly oh what were you teaching at school um, I taught at uh, it was kind of like an experimental art school like for gifted kids, so mm -hmm. um, it's called the lab school. <laughs> Sounds kind of ominous, <laughs> like experimenting on kids or something. But um, I taught there and I did like a weekly art project with them. And then, um, yeah, from there I just kept them teaching until, and I still do teach, I have uh, private students now, but um, at a certain point it became difficult to hold a job because you have to tell them like, Yo, I'm gonna bounce for a month and a half because I have a tour, mm -hmm. and you can't hire someone new because you need me. No, you <laughs> yeah. can't say that. So it's like, you know, they can easily hire someone new. Or I was lucky to have like a lot of bosses that really did understand like mm -hmm. the choice, the tough choice I had to make between like music and a stable job. So they were really accommodating to me. Mm -hmm. And then, when did you form Cobbit? Did I say it? Yeah, Cobbit. Yeah, um, like. I formed probably like three or four years ago. I thought it would just be like a bunch of people jamming in a garage just every week, but yeah. it kind of went beyond that and now we're doing tours and stuff, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. um, started with my friend, my dear friend David, David Damiak. We've known each other for like eight years. <sighs> How did you guys meet? Uh, through a mutual friend. Uh, he played in his band mm -hmm. and then um, I was like, do you want to play in my band? And then he was like, yes. So, <laughs> so it worked out. How did you realize early on that you needed like multiple income streams? Or like how to diversify like all your skills and like monetize? Well, I think for me, it, that sense emerged more out of just, it was like hedonistic for me rather than like survival. Mm -hmm. For me, I just, I always need to be working on things I legitimately like and I'm really bad at doing things I don't like. So I figure, like, I really love visual art, I really love music. How can I make a living off of both? 
because I, I think I also like doing multiple things because I, I sometimes you can, if you do the same thing constantly it becomes a job and mm. it can start feeling like you're in a creative rut so with music and visual art it's like if I don't want to do music today I, I, I can do like a painting for a client or something or make some art and I'm still being productive but I'm taking a break you know yeah so and luckily I'm luckily enough that I think because of music um, I have enough of like you know um, I have enough support from people so that when I do post about my art skills like I don't need to advertise or anything it's like those two demographics are the same oh. like people who consume my art people who consume my music like I'm in a really lucky and rare position mm -hmm. where I don't have to like you know um, I feel like some artists like they have to get recognized but because of music it's like easier to make money off of art yeah when did you, like, how did it click to you that you wanted to put um, your, like, performances, like, on YouTube, or even, like, personal videos? Um, I did it for fun at first, like, that's actually how any of this even happened. I got a guitar and I was like, yo, I'm, like, I want to write music, but I want to show my friends what I'm working on, because my whole Facebook at the time was just other people in bands. Um, so I would post songs and then, you know, they'd get spread around sometimes because they're like, whoa, like, that's cool. A girl's doing that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, I posted a couple. And, like, it, for me, it became a way to, like, keep track of my progress, too. Like, oh. I would watch my videos and, like, you know, it was, like, I still kind of do it with Instagram. Like, I'll post a video, but I'll use it to, like, I'll do it to incentivize me working on that song like mm -hmm. if I post it out there it's like I have to finish it now yeah so it's kind of like a cool way to motivate yourself to work mm -hmm. um but yeah uh some I posted videos and some became like kind of viral yeah. and then like I got endorsed and here we are <laughs> was it all like organic initially like people stumbled upon your videos on their own yeah you know it's always been organic mm -hmm. like I've never really put in any advertising or anything I feel really lucky and fortunate I kind of want to keep it organic because I feel mm -hmm. like, um, I don't know, maybe this is naive of me to say, but I feel like if you're just genuine and you just work at your craft and you just are productive and mm -hmm. um, real, I think people can pick up on that. And then, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's important. I don't want to become like an ad or something. I see a lot of people on Instagram, I feel like their accounts are just ads. <laughs> like, oh yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> How did your tour in Japan come by? And lots of people like knew who you were and like watched you, right? Yeah, um, it's crazy. I guess the style of music I play, well, for acoustic stuff, it's like kind of like Midwest twinkle emo mm -hmm. stuff. Um, Japan has a huge emo scene. They love like also progressive like instrumental music. They love guitar. Japan is just awesome for music. Um, so I went, and then I was really surprised at. How many people showed up? Yeah. I, I worked with my friend, good friend Tsunehiro. I knew him online, um, and he runs a label called Friend of Mine. And he was just like, "Yo, I'll come fly to Japan. I'll take care of your lodging and like, you know, book your so tour." Cool. And I did it, and it was my first like kind of DIY solo touring experience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do you want to do more of those, like your personal own like DIY tours? Yeah, I just did a headliner for that a couple of months ago, and it was really cool because. I actually got people out. I'm always like, no one's gonna care. No, it's gonna be nobody. Like, it's gonna be like two people in the crowd. Oh, no. But then I end up always like feeling really 
I guess like supported <laughs> because I'll go out and there'll be people out and I'll be like, oh, yeah. that's great. <laughs> so yeah, I think right now the focus is on my band Covet though because um, we have like a label now and we have a new album coming out. Oh wow. So like this summer and then um, yeah, I guess solo stuff takes the back burner because you know with a label they have deadlines yeah. but because you know, my solo stuff is more DIY. I don't mm -hmm. have a deadline. How would you say your music has changed since the early songs you made? Um, I think I grew a lot as a songwriter. I think structure-wise, they're a little more complex. Um, I've been at guitar for like six or seven years now, and I learned a lot of new skills. Mm. I think also at first when I got into the game, like I just, I was like, I want to be flashy. I want to be cool. Dread. Like, <laughs> I think, like, with maturity, I'm just like, all right, like, I don't have to operate at, like, 90, 98% all the time. I can, I can have skills. I can be skilled, but a good song means, like, doing what serves the music. So maybe I don't need to be flashy. Maybe it's, like, a simple moment. Mm -hmm. So. How do you, how would you say you've grown as a person since you were younger? Ooh, that's a loaded one. <laughs> uh, I'd say when I was younger... Um, I think I was a lot nicer. <laughs> um, I think I was also, I think, you know, maybe when I was, let's talk about younger, like maybe two or three years ago before all this touring stuff happened. Mm -hmm. I think prior to that, I was a little more close-minded about certain things and I think I was opinionated and I, you know, I grew up pretty sheltered so I didn't really know a lot of things and I think my approach to um, music and stuff was a little different but now I think um, after touring and meeting all kinds of people and interacting with, you know, other musicians, I've, my views on um, things that are different from what I believe in, I'm like more accepting I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm more eager to learn, and yeah, I think the most beautiful part about going on tour and like interacting with people is like getting to know different personalities, finding out their story. I think it humbles me too because I realize that I am quite privileged, despite having a difficult childhood. Like, you know, I'm lucky, and mm -hmm. there's a lot of really cool, amazing people out there. Yeah, I love that. Other than your eating disorder, what up? What? What do you say have been your challenges? Um, I had a turbulent family life for sure. Mm -hmm. um, like, I'd say, you know, I was bullied a bit in mm -hmm. elementary school. But now I'm the cool girl. Oh, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> you are, though. <laughs> um, and uh, I guess, you know. I think your biggest enemy in life is yourself. Mm -hmm. I've battled like really intense depression, like was feeling really kind of like suicidal at times, mm -hmm. you know? Sometimes I, I still struggle with nihilism. I'm just like, sometimes I'm like, none of this matters. Like, why even try? Because mm -hmm. we're just gonna die anyway and become dust. But like, yeah. you know, then you have to, you know, snap yourself back into the into the moment, I think. I think when you I think too big picture, it's like, well, none of this matters. But I think like if I just focus on what makes me happy and what makes me feel whole in the moment, mm -hmm. 
I feel a little better. Yeah. Actually, with that, what advice would you have for people who are going through like eating disorders, depression? I'd say find little things every day to make you happy, um, and find things that give you value that aren't that you're in control of, like your appearance. That doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, we're all gonna age. And you know we're all gonna get fat, maybe question mark, depending on your genetics. Um, yeah, you know. So focus on like skills, getting skills for yourself that make you feel powerful, like you're in control. Like I feel so good when I write a song because I'm like, I made that. <laughs> like this feels great. It's so cool. It's like magic. It's like you're doing a magic trick. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess you know, find skills that give you control and make you feel happy. Um, art and music are such incredible outlets, like my motto is always like music is medicine, art is healing, um, but it doesn't have to be music or art, like if you love racing motorcycles, do that, just find something that just gives you, makes you feel good that you do because you love, not because you're like obligated to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'd say, for me what's helped is like stepping back and appreciating little things like a really pretty flower mm -hmm. or like... Um, a nice picturesque sunset or just looking at like the ocean and seeing how big it is yeah like wow none of my problems matter <laughs> I'd yeah. say like just go outside yeah <laughs> I love that yeah stay off the internet <laughs> yeah that's a good one stay off the internet <laughs> what does success look like to you I think success is relative to what we, we want, right? It really depends on what your personal goals are. Mm -hmm. um, success is different for everyone. I think I just want to be happy and I want to feel like I'm at my full potential. Like that's mm -hmm. one of my deepest fears I think is I feel like right now I'm at like 25% max potential and part of my frustration in my head is like I know where I could be but I'm not there yet because I have so much to learn. So. Um, I just want to continue learning, I guess. Yeah. And one day maybe I'll reach uh, 60% if I'm yeah. lucky. How would you describe like where you want to be? There's some skill sets I want to learn. Like I want to be better at tracking and recording myself. Mm. I've I write pretty traditionally. Like I sit down with a guitar and I literally riff it out, and I like build songs and I record them on my phone. But I don't like use a DAW or anything. I don't like tab it out. Um, yeah, I, I I literally memorize everything. So mm. it's a bit slow, but it ensures that you like learn it solidly and you'll never forget it because that's how I used to learn piano like oh. piano for me is the same way so I would like to learn how to better record and it'd be cool to make like a steady living off of what I'm doing I'm doing alright but I still like worry about money one day mm -hmm. I hope I just don't have to worry about it and yeah. I can just focus on art like I think that's truly a privilege I'm privileged now because I feel like I have time to do art like you know a lot of people they love art they love music they love being creative but they have nine to five desk jobs that prohibit mm. them from that and I'm lucky in that I used to have that but now I don't have to. So never take this for granted. Yeah. I always think about it, I'm just like, holy shit, like <laughs> blessed AF. <laughs> <laughs> what does love mean to you? Ah, love is I think love is is unselfish. I think it's when you just want what is best for the other person even if it doesn't benefit you. Mm -hmm. I think if there's one word to describe love, I think it is unselfish. And um, I think sometimes love means not getting what you want, which goes back to mm -hmm. being unselfish. Um, 
and being patient too. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's it's different. There's different types of love too. Yeah. But yeah. That's my my two cents. <laughs> I don't know shit about love. <laughs> Last question. What do you want to be remembered for? Um, I would hope that I, so one of my goals is when I meet people, I always want to leave them in a better place than when I first met mm. them. I always want to, like, give them something, you know? I like to give, can you tell? <laughs> um, so I think when I die, I would like people, I hope people think that I was a nice person and that I did what I could to better the world. I know that sounds really like, you know, Miss America pageant, no. like, world peace, you know. But, like, I really do hope that. I hope that, you know, people don't think that I took something. I want them to know that mm. I tried to contribute as much as I could. Um, yeah. Yeah, because I think that's important. Like, enough people take, enough people, like, hurt others. I think it's important to just, like, you know, do something that benefits the world and gives people um, tranquility. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. This is awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.